For the first time ever, for one night only, your favorite Disney Channel stars are guest starring in each other's shows. Back to back to back. <laughs> it's the Can't Miss event, That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana. That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana is a crossover episode of the Disney Channel sitcoms That's So Raven, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and Hannah Montana. In the United States, it aired on July 28th, 2006. Many iconic moments in history happened before I was born and therefore did not define my childhood. I missed Michael Jackson make that dunk. I missed E.T. phone home. I was 11 when Meatloaf performed at the AFL Grand Final, but I chose to ignore it. I was six years old, however, when That So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana dropped on Disney Channel and introduced me to a whole new world of fun. Disney Channel consistently delivers when you're six years old, and it doesn't matter what kind of mood you're in. Give me a hot dog with some mustard and put me in front of the TV and That's So Raven is on, I'm in. Give me a can of Sprite and pat me on the head, tell me I've done a good job maybe, set me down in front of the TV and Hannah Montana is on, I'm beaming. Sure, I'm probably not going to tell any of the homies what I was watching, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy myself. Hand me a McDonald's burger after swim practice, turn that fucking television on and if the sweet life of Zack and Cody is playing, nothing. Is topping that. So when I saw the ads for this crossover episode, you best believe I treated that like the television event of the century. The Sweet Life was my favorite because I could relate to the hijinks and shenanigans that those two would get up to hopped up on whatever sugar-soaked soda that they could get their hands on. Hell, those boys acted like their Sprite was sprinkled with speed. God bless them. But when Raven from That's So Raven fame looked into the camera like she was on the brink of breaking into a seizure and she saw the future, that's what got me so excited. I've seen few plot devices that were so simple, yet got me so excited since watching that show. Just my personal opinion, I guess. And at the time, I knew there was a diamond in the not-so-rough. A star in the making, I guess. But I didn't quite know what I was sensing. Kind of like Raven having one of her crazy visions. And that star was a hero. And that hero was Kyle Massey, who plays a younger brother, Corey, in the show and later plays the star of Corey in the house, which don't even get me started on. So when Raven Baxter started dancing with her family, I was six years old, breaking a leg in my living room, bussing down with the Baxters. Call it a comfort bust down, I liked that show. As a six-year-old, I knew I wasn't cut out to cut sheet metal, or dig trenches, or box, or fix cars. I wasn't fruity, but I sure as hell wasn't getting my hands that dirty. My hands stay clean, even then. So every time Hannah Montana came on, what was I supposed to do other than watch it so much that I memorized the theme song's lyrics? I have a lot of strength nowadays, but back then, well, I just didn't have much. But yeah, you're hearing right. I enjoyed myself watching that show. And truthfully, I think it's brave that it's only taken me 16 years since to admit I'm making a case for straight, cis, six-year-olds enjoying Hannah Montana. Okay, I didn't so much care for Miley Cyrus with a cute pink jacket, but when Jackson draws a smiley face on his belly and gives it some googly eyes and starts playing with his face belly as if it's a real person, I'm holding onto the couch for dear life. I'll recover, come to my senses, and then Rico will be doing something dumb, and they're all dumb characters played for comic relief, but he was the dumbest of the bunch, and it defined in my eyes what it meant to be a stupid rascal. Hola amigos! Get ready for a fiesta in your mouth! It's Rico's empanada! 
He owned the surf shop and dude had to be nine. People talk a lot about sexual awakenings. I don't hear a lot of people talk about the moment as a child that they knew they discovered their ambition. I suppose it's more specific than a sexual awakening, but I definitely felt inspired seeing a contemporary of mine in such a powerful position, dishing out surfboards and fucking with people. Speaking of sexual awakenings, Billy Ray Cyrus. I'm just joking, but if I wasn't, God, he's cool. And then you give him a guitar and you just melt into the bittersweet melodies that makes Billy Ray such a misunderstood figure. I believe if Billy Ray were to ever identify as a they-them ally, his pronouns would be confused entity slash sexual beast. Anyway, um, I like this show, and I went to see the movie and it was good, but it didn't feature Rico, and this meant it was knocked down a star from three and a half stars to two and a half stars. And then there was the sweet life. And what a sweet life it was. I am, of course, in reference to my life every time this goddamn show came on, so I could live vicariously through these two brats who would do whatever the fuck they wanted and rarely face any actual consequence. These two literally just wanted to eat ice cream, pretend to be the other twin, impress girl, and chill. Talk about everything a little shithead wants to do at six or seven. I wish I had a twin. That way... I would make them try out cool one-liners on girls, and if it worked out, I would pretend it was me, and if it didn't, oh, I'm sorry, that was my really awkward twin. He hasn't figured out how to talk to girls yet. Oh, that's... Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that's the plot of six episodes across the whole show? My bad, um, I didn't realise my um, producers, just let me know. And jokes aside, this is all without mentioning the comedic brilliance that is Mr. Mosby. This guy was literally just there to be fucked with, again, and again, and again. And just touching on the manipulation tactics from Zack and Cody again, you can look at a compilation of Mr. Mosby's funniest moments, and it's just him being fucked with. The fire in me was lit up every time I saw Zack and Cody fuck with Mr. Mosby, because inside I was like, it should be me! It should be me letting my six-year-old angst out on this hotel manager who keeps surrendering to literally everyone. That's what I'm really talking about when I say living vicariously through Zack and Cody. And what's even funnier is that Mr. Mosby, played by Phil Lewis, fatally struck and killed a girl whilst driving 14 years before the show premiered. Um, uh, Matthew Broderick energy aside, this guy dealt with the grief of killing someone and the karmic consequences were that 14 years later, he would embody a punching bag with no authority over the hotel he supposedly rules over. Probably a nice guy, but if you ask me for my thoughts in private, I'll tell you. It's okay, come a little closer so he doesn't hear. What a loser. And that brings me to this crossover episode. I think any kind of crossover has always been a satisfying thing for me, because I cannot fathom that anything outside of the fictional world that I've been plunged into exists. Features in music have probably been a thing since the first musician established themselves and then went to the second musician that established themselves and was like, we should do this together. I hear a collaboration between two artists that I kind of like tomorrow and I'm like, gimme, gimme, give it to me and I start drooling like a dog. I love crossovers and I think that the idea of a crossover television episode or God forbid a crossover film is an underrated idea. This shit was three different episodes and a goddamn TV movie. Lord help me, I can't. It came delivered as three separate episodes in which each episode was centered on one of the shows, which interjections from characters from the other shows. 
This series was the first time I discovered what a crossover was. And it just happened to feature three shows that I was somewhat interested in, I suppose. They all feed into each other. And you can't just watch one episode because you won't know what's going on. Okay? You just won't. The first episode features Raven at the Tipton Hotel, where King Zack and Cody reside. Remember that simple plot device involving Raven's visions that I was talking about before? It happens like four times across the series to string together the narratives of these three sitcom worlds meeting. Me seeing that now, that's pretty dumb and lazy writing, but I'm sure me as a six-year-old would have loved it. Me as a six-year-old? Of course. This is how Raven's power would work in these specific scenarios. Sign me up. The second episode is just the kids fucking around in the hotel and then being spooked of and then being spooked by Raven's visions, and then Hannah Montana shows up, so you know that's a fucking situation. They must not have been able to figure out anything else these characters have in common, uh, other than Raven having a vision at this point, because the last episode is just a standard Hannah Montana episode, and it's at the Tipton. I think it was pretty brave of the writers to assume that fans of the special would rather see the relationship between Hannah Montana and the Tipton, as opposed to Hannah Montana and other... Uh, characters. What would I know though? I've only gone and made the only dedicated podcast to this television special, I hope, and a good one at that. Overall, I love this series, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this special episode of Fuck Celebrities. I know you may not have got what you signed up for, but that's kind of what I'm aiming for with every episode of Fuck Celebrities. And this episode, unfortunately for you, followed that trend worryingly well. I hope you found out something about Mr. Mosby that you didn't know, Maybe stumbled your way onto Zach and Cody's Instagram accounts. They're trendy male models nowadays, by the way. That's what all these years of practice roaming around as bad boys in their hotel prepares you for, funnily enough. Anyways, I'm moving to Melbourne tomorrow, and I can't wait to see what a city environment will do for my sleep schedule. I think I'll still find it just as hard to get up in the morning, as I'm not a morning person, but this time, I won't have the option to head down for a morning swim at the beach, which I'm grateful for. Fuck that. I don't ever want that option again. Thanks again for listening, guys. Power to the people. And thanks for always having my back. And I'm making a heart gesture with my hands right now, which you guys can't see. Bye-bye.